Alright friends, welcome to the midweek. Sorry it's been a little bit. Uh, I think I lost track of time. And I think I'm a, I'm a week behind. But, good things come to those who wait. And so, if that's you, this is going to be good. If you've been impatient, this will do you no good. Anyhow, we're in chapter 22 of First Kings. And we're going to wrap up the book. This is the last chapter of the book. And uh, we're going to conclude this first of the two books with the death of Ahab. Ahab is such an important king. Even though he wasn't a great king, he actually gets a lot of chapterage, if you've noticed. Um, and then this is going to be his death. Remember from the last chapter, God is quite upset with him. But because he humbled himself, he's still going to die poorly, but it's not going to be the catastrophe and the catastrophic end of Israel at the same time he dies. Um, so let's get in with it. Verse 1, for three years Syria and Israel continued without war. But in the third year Jehoshaphat the king of Judah came down to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? And we keep quiet, do not take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. And he said to Jehoshaphat, we will, go will you go down with me to battle at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are. My people are your people, my horses as your horses. So from the last chapter, Israel was granted this great victory over Syria. And the problem is that um, Ahab didn't kill the king that God had given to him. But you do get three years of a ceasefire. And when the hostilities pick up, it is uh, Israel or Ahab that starts the fight. So the southern king... And remember, the southern and the northern kingdoms are often at war. But there is a period of peace here, and the southern king goes to visit the northern king, and the northern king starts to kind of dream about regaining some territory from Syria. This is in the northeastern portion of Israel, so the top right-hand corner on the map. Um, interestingly, they say go down to this area, so obviously they're talking about some kind of elevation thing. Uh, we're the ones who think with maps and their north and stuff like that. I think in the Old Testament times, they would usually use the direction of sunrise and sunset to go from east to west. And um, I'm not ex I can't remember exactly what sense of direction they have with north and south. But here they're talking about going down, but for us would be up on the map. And Jehoshaphat, who's I think often thought of as an okay king, he decides to make this alliance with, with a uh, unbelieving king. So this isn't great that he goes into alliance with him. But then you have Jehoshaphat um, wanting some input from the Lord. So verse 5, And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Inquire first for the word of the Lord. And this is the Lord, meaning oh, it's the all caps, so it's uh, God's covenant name, Yahweh, in Hebrew, or Y-H-W-H. And so this is not just him saying we want to hear from God, general God, but it is like his specific covenant name, I want to hear from the Lord. And the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go to battle against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. And if you look, it says, Lord is not YHWH, so it's not the covenant name of God there. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here another prophet of the Lord, YHWH? of whom we may inquire. So he really wants to hear from the true God. So Jehoshaphat is a man of faith in the true God. This isn't a great time that he's allying himself with the northern kingdom, but he wants to hear from the covenant God of Israel, not from these false prophets. 
Um, verse 8, And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imla, but I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, but evil. So here is Ahab's kind of self-centeredness again. He prefers lying prophets that say good things to a true prophet that says bad things. And the reason Ahab always has bad stuff said about him is because of his conduct. It's not personal, it's his faith. And so he doesn't want to hear the truth. And so here is Ahab again, um, just selfish. And so he'd rather be lied to. Um, not good. And then, you know, you just sit here and go, am I like that? Would I rather receive a, a hope-filled false prophecy than a negative true word from the true God of the universe? Lord, help us love your word. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Nice that he corrects him. Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah, son of Imlah. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes, at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, which is the royal city. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Chenaana, made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so and said, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead in triumph. The Lord will give it, it into the hand of the king. Now if you remember, the last chapter, um, Ahab had been regularly successful and had really defeated the kings of Syria. That was only about three years ago. And so they might be thinking, Hey, same thing happened last time will be happening this time. And it, this false prophet's name is named, this Zedekiah, who was using like a Sunday school object lesson of these uh, man-made horns as a symbol, like he's going to be like an ox that's going to go and gore this other kingdom. Maybe that's meant to remind us of the, uh, the golden oxes that um, the false, first false king of the northern kingdom had made for worship to replace the true worship of God at the temple. Verse 13, And the messenger who sent, who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets are one accord, are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them, and speak favorably. So he's getting, this is all political, he's getting gamed. Hey, if you're going to come, you might as well make some sweet coin and, and don't upset the king and, you know, just go along to get along. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak which is the true attitude of a prophet and the true attitude of a teacher of God's word and the true attitude of every believer want, sh should just want to hear what God has to say. And when he came to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go up to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? And he answered him, go up and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Okay, so this is really interesting because um, Ahab has, has a sense that he's being lied to here. So the first of all, he complains that he only hears bad news. But now that he finally gets some good news, he doesn't believe it at all. And so he says, No, you have to tell me the truth. So this is very fascinating. Verse 17, he said to him, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep who have no shepherd, and shepherds were kings back in those days. Kings were often called shepherds, and shepherds symbolized kings. Back to the scripture, And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? 
again, so very fascinating that um, there's enough truth running around in Ahab that he can tell when the prophet is lying to him, but there is not enough truth in his heart that he would prefer to hear the truth, and so he's feeling sorry for himself about that the truth is negative instead of having a humble heart. So very often God will lead kings to self-destruction with their hearts that are unwilling to repent. This happened with Pharaoh in Egypt. That was the big story that his heart was hardened, so he kept persevering in uh, self-destruction. That also happened during the uh, book of Joshua a couple times. Um, or was it in Deuteronomy when Moses is fighting? Anyhow, there's a couple of kings, even in the invasion, that ha their hearts are hardened by the Lord so that they fight with Israel instead of humbling themselves. And I think that's what we have here. Ahab knows the Lord enough to know when he's hearing the truth from the Lord, but his heart is hardened so that he goes to his own destruction. Verse 19, And Micaiah said to him, or said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the hosts of heaven standing before him on his right hand and on his left. So this would be like the angels. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing, and another, another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go out, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said to him, You are to entice him, and you shall succeed. Go and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets, and the Lord declared, the Lord has declared disaster for you. So very interesting scene. So, so Micaiah has this vision, and it corresponds to the earthly reality. So in even when the earthly kings were having their council of war, um, the heavenly kingdom was also having a council of war, except where Ahab was talking about invading Syria, um, the Lord was thinking about, you know, invading Ahab or using this invasion to destroy Ahab. And... It's interesting that they have this council, this heavenly council, where the angels and the, the Lord are discussing what to do. Um, I'm, there's probably some kind of like visionary picture. I'm not sure if heaven is like that, where there's long discussions about what to do. Could be. Um, but one way or another, the revelation is that God wants Ahab to destroy himself, and the council of heaven is all you have to do is lie to Ahab, and he will destroy himself. And even when he hears he's being lied to, he'd rather obey a lie than the truth. And God says, you're absolutely right. That's how it's going to go. So just go and tell a lie to the prophets, and that's all the ball that needs to get rolling. Now, it is interesting to hear about the Lord using a lying prophet, uh, or a lying spirit. Um, and that is a discussion to think through there. But again, the, the root of the matter here is the human heart. The truth actually does come out that God has presented Ahab with this situation where he can either choose to be lied to or choose to hear the truth, and he's going to choose to rather be lied to, uh, to his own destruction. Verse 24, Then Zedekiah, the son of Chaniah, came and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, How did the Spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? Meaning that you're the liar. And Micaiah said, Behold, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide yourself. And the king said, Seize Micaiah, take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him meager rations of bread and water until I come in peace. So, this is kind of like a threat, and it's really weird because he's a prophet. He doesn't actually have any power to hurt the king. And so he's almost like being held hostage, like for the Lord or what? I don't even know. 
Um, but this is a king acting like a king and forgetting that he's dealing with God here. Verse 28, And Micaiah said, If you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Hear all you peoples. So even with these threats, Micaiah knows that he's heard from the Lord, and this is how it's going to go. So Micaiah gets sent off to prison, and the kings go to war. However, uh, Ahab's confidence is shaken, so he wants to go to war with a little trick, hoping to maybe trick the Lord or or sabotage this doomsday uh, prophecy about him, that he's going to die and that Israel's going to have no shepherd. And it's interesting, the prophecy said everyone's going to go home to their homes in peace. So the king is going to die, but it's going to be a good thing for Israel. It's really weird. Uh, but interesting, this is a moment of judgment on Ahab, and the rest of the people are going to be okay. Verse 29, So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat the king of Judah went up to Ramoth Gilead, and the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear your robes. And the king of Israel disguised himself and went to battle. Now the king of Syria had commanded the thirty-two captains of his chariots, fight with neither small nor great, but only the king of Israel. And when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, Surely this is the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him, and Jehoshaphat cried out. So the jig is up. He's being attacked by this foreign king, this foreign king had, you know, said his personal bodyguard, they just want to take out the king. And I'm not sure exactly, is this retribution? Maybe it's this, this sense of, if you kill the king, it will so demoralize the other forces that it's an easy way to quickly win the battle. Or maybe the king of Syria is mad about his previous humiliation because Ahab had been the one that had subjected him. And so maybe he wants to go back and kill Ahab, make sure Ahab dies because of his wounded pride or something like that who really knows but Jehoshaphat um, is reduced from the the status of co-invading king to um, scapegoat (laughs) or to a red herring you know he's the distraction hey Jehoshaphat come fight with me okay you get to be the distraction what and so Jehoshaphat cries out and then in verse 33 and when the captains of the chariots saw that he was not the king of Israel they turned back from pursuing him okay so the ruse works up to a point, but now the sovereignty of God is going to take over. 34. But a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. Therefore he said to the driver of the chariot, Turn around and carry me out of the battle, for I'm wounded. So just a random arrow goes flying and finds the point of weakness in the king's armor. 35. And the battle continued that day, and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians until the until at evening he died and the blood of the wound flowed into the bottom of the chariot we're going to need to know that uh, detail later and about sunset a cry went through the army every man to his city every man to his country so the king dies the army is demoralized they maybe even know that this prophecy is being fulfilled and so they stop the invasion into Ramoth Gilead remember this is not a defensive battle Syria didn't start this by invading. Instead, this is a defensive battle for Syria, and the invaders from Samaria decide, let's just go home. 37. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. And they washed the chariot by the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood. Okay, so this was a prophecy, and the prostitutes washed themselves in it. This is a sign of great dishonor according to the word that the Lord had spoken. So this is, you know, this fulfillment of destruction against Ahab that the dogs would drink up his blood, and it did, was fulfilled. 
Now the rest of the acts of Ahab and all that he did, and the ivory house that he built, and all the cities that he built, are they not written in the books of the chronicles of the king of Israel? So Ahab slept with his fathers, and Ahaziah his son reigned in his place. So a dishonorable death of Ahab, according to the word of a prophet, accomplished by the random providence of the sovereign God. 41. Jehoshaphat, the son of Asa, began to reign over Judah in the fourth year of the king Ahab, the king of Israel. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shilhi, and he walked in all the ways of Asa, his father. He did not turn aside from it, doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. Yet the high places were not taken away, and the people still sacrificed and made offerings in the high places. Jehoshaphat also made peace with the king of Israel. So, Jehoshaphat's a good king, right? That you've got this this summary here, and it's a, a long reign, but there's not a lot to him going on uh, described here. Probably more in Chronicles. And then you have that line, he made peace with the king of Israel, and was that a good thing? Who really knows? 45. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat and his might that he showed and how he warred, are they not written in the books of Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And from the land he exterminated the remnant of the male cult prostitutes who remained in the day of his father Asa. So these are good things. These are good signs. He was a good king. 47. There are no kings in Edom. A deputy was king. And Jehoshaphat made ships of Tarshish to go to Ophir for gold, but they did not go, for the ships were wrecked at Ezion-Geber. And Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, Let my servants go with your servants in the ships. But Jehoshaphat was not willing. And Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers and was buried with his father in the city of David, his father, and Jehoram, his son, reigned in his place. So, there's a couple of these moments with Jehoshaphat where he kind of interacts with the northern kingdom, first with Ahab and then with uh, Ahaziah, and they both turn out to not be great deals. So maybe this is this sign of like um, a political peace that wasn't a peace by faith and it not turning out well. And this sign like, hey, Jehoshaphat's weakness was that he was kind of willing to associate with bad company a little bit too much here. But other than that, he was a good king and looks like he preserved some true worship there. 51. Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel and Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and he reigned two years over Israel. And here comes the moral uh, summary, the evaluation of his reign. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father and in the ways of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel to sin. And he served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger in every way that his father had done. End of book of first kings well we made it we've started off with the reign of uh, solomon uh, being established through a little bit of political uncertainty the construction of the temple of the living god the separation of the kingdoms at the end of solomon's reign and the beginning of rehoboam's reign into the southern kingdom judah and the northern kingdom of all the other tribes except i think benjamin kind of went with judah you have the northern kingdom's persistent unbelief, and it just as was named at the end of this chapter with Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, leading Israel to sin, which was intensified in the house of Omri, and especially in the introduction of hardcore Baal worship through Ahab and his wife Jezebel.
and you had the southern kingdom which would often just kind of switch between good king bad king good king bad king but god persevering in his faithfulness to the southern kingdom because of his promise to david to keep someone on the throne of jerusalem um, as the lord had promised so this book is about the faithfulness of God to his promise to David and the functioning of the prophets, God ruling through the prophets over the kings of Israel and Judah and sustaining this nation through times of faithfulness and times of unbelief according to his own word. And the end, and we'll catch you in the book of Second Kings.